Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is Football Social Daily, keeping you up to date with the latest from the English top flight. Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily. It may be snowing where you are right now, but that's not going to stop us from talking about the Premier League, which is what we do every single day here on the Football Social Daily. My name's Ant McGinley and we're coming towards the end of an international break. Uh, The last couple of places for the World Cup being assigned tomorrow. The draw will take place for that. Uh, USA just managing to crawl through despite losing to Costa Rica. I think they had to lose 6-0 to miss out. But a 2-0 defeat means that they will be going to Qatar. We'll look ahead uh, to the Premier League games and that World Cup draw on tomorrow's show. But today's show, we're going to look at a few different issues, including the fact that there's a brand new ball for the World Cup. And it's claimed that it's faster in flight than anything before it. I'm assuming that means any other football uh, rather than any plane or animal. Uh, Another news, speaking of planes, Manchester United have announced that they will be playing a pre-season friendly that isn't very carbon or environmentally friendly. And uh, we're going to start today with uh, this fact that this long avoided issue of five substitutes is being discussed again today for the Premier League, the only competition that seems to not want them up until now. But I'm not just going to do this on my own. You may have heard them chuckling in the background at my opening piece. Uh, Joel Tudor? Good morning, guys. I was just thinking then, bit of an off-topic, but do you not think there should be kind of caps for podcast appearances? Because I should be closing in on at least 50 now. (laughs) Would you want an actual cap? Like a pod cap. I don't know how you would do it. It needs to be like in the design of a bit of like a a microphone firm, uh, you know, the foam tops, but like... I th- on top of I, I, I think I think it's a lovely idea. Um, I do know though that when it comes to actual international caps, it used to be that you would get one for every single appearance that you made. Apparently now, uh, I don't know if it's cost or just people aren't as uh, just don't have the room to keep them at home. But they only get the caps at the significant numbers, so like their oh, first really? one, uh, maybe uh, their fiftieth. And and of course we've also seen in more recent times with. Uh, Southgate 
uh, when when a player comes on for the first time, they'll get an old player into the dressing room with their shirt and, and present it to them uh, before they, they go out. Um, in, in lieu of having a cap, is there anything else that I can offer you, Marley Anderson? Maybe a brew? <laughs> uh, well, I was going to say, if Joel's gone 50 caps, I think I must be touching about 250 now. Because... <laughs> you must be closing in on that Hall of Fame style yeah. interview. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering where my statue is going to be outside Football Social Daily Towers because uh, I'm here when no one else can be uh, can be, can be bothered like yesterday. We weren't even meant to be on yesterday, me and Joel, but yeah, Ian and Matt weren't available, so we stood in last minute and uh, yeah, just Mr. Reliable. We, we are just James Milner of, of podcasting. Uh, the utility sort of, players. Podcasting sphere, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would say, Marley, that you are, in terms of, if are. I was to compare you to a footballer, I would say you're like a Ledley King or going back further, a Paul McGrath. My knees work. <laughs> you know, having to get injections to be able to play the game. <laughs> but but you, you, you are suffering at the moment. You tested positive for COVID and yet you're still here, despite the medical advice that says you should rest completely rather than continuing to work. We thank you, Marley. Uh, that seems to be, and talking about illness and sickness, a good way to bring us into this uh, five substitutes. Uh, so that's being discussed again today. Uh, it was brought in during COVID times, uh, which we're still in, let's be honest. Uh, and yet every major league, in fact, every major competition, because they do it in the FA Cup, uh, have introduced the five substitute rule. But the Premier League has so far refused to implement it. Now, all signs point towards the fact that it is going to come in next season and uh, this meeting isn't going to rubber stamp it as far as I know, but it's just to be uh, a, a precursor to that. Um, it does seem to be working everywhere else we've seen it. They've got it in Champions League, La Liga, anywhere you can mention really. Um, is there any argument you can think of that's going to be put forward to keep it to just three, Joel? The only argument I can think of is the fact that Obviously, smaller clubs or the ones who haven't got as much depth are clearly going to be at a slight disadvantage, aren't they, compared to the bigger clubs who've got the massive squads. I mean, you just say Manchester City is an example where their bench is pretty much as good as their starting eleven in terms of like-for-like quality. And then you look for someone like Burnley and suddenly there's a massive decline of the quality on the on the substitutes bench. So in a game, of course, if it's Man City against Burnley, City have got the, the capability to be able to bring on a player who, like, for example, bringing Riyad Mahrez on for Jack Grealish or Bernardo Silva, they're always going to have that extra edge when it comes to this kind of thing. But like we were just discussing prior to the podcast, it's the fact that Rarely any manager uses five. Well, rarely any manager uses three substitutes these days. Let let alone five. I think five would only be used if a match went to extra time, or there was just a ridiculous amount of injuries in the game, and they had to keep chopping and changing. Or you went ultra defensive and you were defending for your life in a final. But apart from that, in a typical Premier League game, you don't really use that many subs. Because I remember Jurgen Klopp's been really vocal about it, and it's quite funny how. You know, English football, the FA, Premier League, they always love going against the grain of what every other European league is doing because they think they know best, especially when it, it when it came to a VAR, for example. And then suddenly they realise, oh, actually, the other European leagues are actually doing it right and it works. It's, it's like that English upper lip, isn't it, of just thinking this way is the best way until you realise it actually isn't the best way. 
Um, and I, th- I think it's right, to be honest, just in terms of the fact that it's been so publicised as well, how players are starting to talk out more about how their schedules are so busy and they're getting burnt out and younger players are being overused and that kind of thing. And th- I think they're trying to take away that narrative a little bit more of the fact that they're having to be playing probably more games and more intensity and less time to recover, etc., etc. But then the managers have to start taking advantage of it and start using it then because even when there were five substitutes, I think was it in the time during COVID where they brought it in again and literally no manager used the five substitutes unless there was just bizarre circumstances. So I think it is a good idea. Of course, it does benefit the better sides, but I mean, regardless, take away the five substitutes rule the better sides benefit regardless because they have more money than other clubs and they can buy better players so they they're at an advantage regardless um so yeah i think it's a it's a good idea and it just kind of fits the narrative of just being able to give players more of a break especially when managers complain about these big congestion periods as, as well mali do you think there's an argument here to say that it kind of gives you a get out of jail free card almost if you've got your tactics wrong and so you can suddenly make, you know, quite a few, suddenly change your whole midfield and when you defenders and strikers. Uh, yeah, I suppose, I suppose it could. Yeah, um, you know, you've got that scope to change. You know, five five subs is uh, is half your outfield team. So, you know, the there is uh, there is greater scope to change things if you're getting things wrong. But you've got to have those options on on the bench as well. And I think this is the. The crux of the issue is is coming down to the smaller teams in the league not having um, the depth to um, to to change things as much as one of the top sides. But for me, that's not really a that's not really uh, an excuse because every club in the Premier League has the means to the means and the finances to go and buy players. They they don't have to run on a on a really thin squad where you know they're struggling to get uh, to get. Uh, 20 in a match squad or whatever it is so I think as long as you give people fair warning you know clubs like Burnley and Norwich and, and Watford and what have you can can uh, can plan for the five subs and, and have more depth in their squad so you know obviously it will there will be higher calibre players turning out for Man City and Liverpool and uh, and the top sides Chelsea and, and what have you but you know I, I do think there's enough money floating around in the Premier League to have, you know, uh, 15, 16 guys that are good enough to start rather than 10 or 11 like like some clubs do. This idea of the clubs not having depth, the smaller clubs not having depth, I mean, no, no matter how small the club is, they have a reserve team, they have a youth squad as well. And so is this not an opportunity for them to be able to sort of blood those youngsters and give them that experience and add... Uh, to to that ability that they've got, and uh, we, we we've seen, you know, like Jude Bellingham, you know, obviously he, he's a he's a very unique talent in what he has, uh, but you know he was playing at a very high level at sixteen. He's gone over to the Bundesliga, you know, and he's had those opportunities. Now, uh, when you go to the likes of the bigger clubs, even with those substitutes. He may not have had those substitutes, those same opportunities. And in fact, his old teammate, Jadon Sancho, that was the reason why he left Manchester City, was so he could get that opportunity. So actually, is this a, a chance, Joel, for those um, those smaller clubs to actually you know, have 
maybe not the same depth in talent, but at least in terms of experience in their squads to, to bring that to them. Potentially. I think um, with the bigger clubs, I guess it leaves them with less reason to actually use the younger players, considering the three subs are usually four. Of course, you know, the senior players on the bench. But then let's say, for example, Man City are playing Burnley and they're cruising 4-0 up and then they're able to use those extra two substitutes to actually bring on, you know, the younger players who would never have got a shot on the pitch had this still been three. Then, yeah, I could see an argument for that. But like you mentioned with Sancho and the fact that he was not willing to wait on the bench at age 17 and took the chance to just go to Germany and it ended up being one of the best decisions. He's he's probably been the the the, the, um, the path maker for all the young English players based on that decision, which I think is pretty much, is very like not talked about in terms of how much of an impact that's had. I'm sure Bellingham probably saw that and thought, right, you know, what what's the point in me waiting? Even though he was playing regularly for Birmingham, but... Um, yeah, I guess it just it just does allow for more opportunity. But then again, you have to say as well, how much impact can a young player make in ten minutes? It's got to be a case of being able to play consistent consistently in a position. Um, so I I still think that there'll be more and more young players who see that route that Sancho took, and they're not willing to wait anymore until you know when they get to nineteen, twenty, twenty one, and they're still hovering around in the reserves and they're still playing those youth games and they're getting 10 minutes in the FA Cup. For me, it's, point, it's absolutely pointless. If I was a player now and I was at one of these big clubs like United or uh, Liverpool or Chelsea and I wasn't getting opportunity by that age, it's just you have to realise a footballer's career is so relatively short in comparison to a typical career. So there's just no point waiting around because your prime years go pretty quickly. There's not a long time in your prime. Um, but yeah, hopefully it may encourage, maybe there would be a change in terms of how much youth players you have to have in your bench or in your team potentially, but I do think it may impact the uh, the uh, opportunities that the youth players do get, but I just don't, because of how much pressure these managers are under to get results, I just don't see it changing a massive amount apart from these small cameo appearances that they typically do get at the moment. Talking about those small cameo appearances, let's not underestimate the power of money here because you do get a different fee if you're named on the bench and then an appearance fee if you actually come on to the field of play as well, which especially as a young player, I, I imagine can make quite a big difference. Um, let's flip it on its head a little bit. Um, we've kind of been looking at it you know, from the youth players, from the young players, and, and also uh, you know, be, being able to... Um, the small clubs not necessarily having that same sort of level of depth. Um, if you're a big club and you've got a whole wealth of talented players from around the world who all have egos and demands, uh, which is the direction that Newcastle's heading in, Marley, um, is five substitutes actually going to be enough? Or do you think we'll be here again in, in a couple of seasons kind of going, well, it needs to be up to seven. And then we're moving towards a situation where it's almost like you have special teams. You have like a team that plays at home, a team that plays away, and then further down the line, you're, you're moving towards that sort of NFL setup where you're rolling substitutes on and off depending on the corner of the free kick. <laughs> uh, I think I think we're a, a fair bit away from that. It would be funny though, um, with as soon as you lose the ball, right, we need to make 11 subs and get all 11 centre-backs on the pitch quickly. Um, and then a, a special penalty taker comes on and... Uh, well, that's already happening. That is, that is already happening. 
<laughs> yeah, it's uh, well, that's happening with Kepper in it in goal and and Mendy coming on to save penalties and and what have you. So yeah, I think I'd I'd be up for for um, trialing it, just seeing what happens, seeing how teams use it, seeing if we're we're happy with with how teams use it in the uh, in the upcoming like season and and see how it goes from there because. I think with with five subs as well. If you've used two subs and you're two one up in the 90th minute, people are just going to use it for time waste as well. Um, so it gives a greater scope for that. Even though sometimes you might only have um, three slots to do the five subs in, so you've got to do at oh, least two double me. subs at each one. <laughs> yeah. that, What's that, that? That that really confuses me. You know, you can have five <laughs> substitutes, but you can only do it. I mean, I mean, I'm quite good at maths, but that just hurts my head. <laughs> It is hard to keep up uh, to keep track of because you're like, hang on, we've got four subs available, but we've used like we've used one of our slots already, so we've actually only got three available. So it's it's confusing, but it does it is there to stop time wasting because you can you imagine, you know, the ninetieth minute comes along and the board goes up and then it's like right, we want to make a sub, and then as soon as they come on the pitch, another sub lines up and it'll just be like going round and round and round and people. There's a there's a massive opportunity for, uh, I, I can't say it because you you're gonna have to bleep it, but I'll call it skullduggery rather than something housery, um, in that uh, in that sort of thing. If you if you do that, so I'd I'd just trial it and see see how teams use it and then go from there really because we're it's all right speculating about oh this team will be good with five subs and this team won't, but until you try it, you, you're never gonna know. Yeah, uh, one thing that would sort of put a stop to the time wasting thing would be uh, the simple introduction of just a clock and stopping the clock every time the ball went out of play. Um, yeah, or there was a substitution. Why don't, but why don't we do that? I've well, because that's technology, that. Mali, and we don't want to. That's the technology that couldn't be replicated all the way through. Oh no, we did it with VR, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> they actually mentioned, you know, with the ball in play. They actually said that we only get about 50 to 60 minutes of actual football. The rest of it is literally goal kicks, throw-ins, time-wasting, substitutes. So honestly, I would actually be in favour of just having maybe not a 90-minute game, but like 100% getting 70 minutes of football, considering the fact that we literally barely get any football. It's just the fact that we're having to wait constantly during the game because of how much stoppages there are, and they just let it go as well. Like, for example, you know when the goalkeeper takes a goal kick and he literally places the ball down, does, like, this whole ritual and then takes about a minute off the clock. He's like, no one wants to see a goalkeeper just doing that when you're at a stadium. I didn't pay to come watch him do that. I want to see some actual football. So I'd be in favour of these little small areas of the pitch where there's constant time wasting. Just stop the clock. Oh, you can tell he's a Man United fan, can't you? There talking about why that. He's, 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 that, that that thing of you, you never, you know, that whole thing when you're you're a smaller club and you've managed to somehow eke out a draw <laughs> or nick a goal, and you're just doing everything you can. To no, get but you know how it. annoying that is, though. That just yeah, oh, it kills me when I watch it. But even still, even when they do it at the start of the game when it's nil nil, I mean, for what? Can we just watch some football, please? And if you get a goal, you know what? Do everything you want to do. But yeah, I mean, 55 to 60 minutes of play is ridiculous, in my opinion. Well, we'll make sure we send a transcript of this podcast over to the FA and the Premier League so that uh, they can incorporate that into their discussions, Joel. Uh, Let's take a little break there. And when we come back, we are going to be talking about pre-season friendlies 
that aren't very environmentally friendly. That's next. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and welcome back to the Football Social Daily. So, we had some great weather last week, and in the UK at the moment, it's suddenly snowing because that's what happens here. Uh, so a lot of people are turning their attention to the Easter break that's coming up, and possibly uh, for the first time in a couple of years to actually having a summer holiday, including Manchester United, who have announced plans uh, to uh, play Crystal Palace. Not at Selhurst Park, not at Old Trafford, but at the 100,000-seater Melbourne Cricket Ground in July. Yes, Manchester United will be travelling to Australia for the first time ever. Now, it's great that fans on the other side of the world will get the opportunity to see their heroes play, but it's not so great in terms of reducing their carbon footprint. Marley, what's the furthest you ever went to see a friendly for your club? I don't know, maybe like Oldham or something. <laughs> Not far. I go further to see the team, my team at home because I live in Manchester, so 150 mile drive if I want to see them. So, yeah, probably yeah, Oldham or something. I think. I'm not sure we can really do anything about this, but I'm thinking in terms of like from the players themselves. Now, the fans that come out, they're going to want to see the big name players that that appear. Um, so they're going to want to see the likes of, well, I was going to say Paul Pilgrim, but he may very well not be there at this point. Uh, but they'll want to see uh, the big name players appearing. But in terms of your preparation, like we've talked a lot on the show about how players have improved dramatically for their club by retiring from their international commitments so that they're not traveling for sort of 15, 16 hours on a plane one way to make to play a game and then coming back. Now, I imagine they would be out for a little bit longer, but uh, unless they combine it with a holiday for the players, um, this doesn't feel like the best kind of pre-season training. That said, Marley, I imagine there's going to be a few fair trips uh, for your squad back and forth to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, well, we've been to Saudi Arabia and uh, I think we're in... uh, Where were we recently? I think it might have been Qatar or something. Um for the for the warm weather trips but yeah i think with with uh you know football talking about football clubs carbon footprint then you know it doesn't really matter whether you wash your bean your, your bean tin out and put it in the recycling when uh when man united are taking a, a trip to uh to leicester on a plane or traveling 20 hours around the world to to australia or something like that it's kind of puts it into perspective um but yeah, it's just one of the things in it. I suppose it's. I think the world we live in now is very sort of um, 
skeptical and critical of of many things you know you can't you can't do something without somebody spotting that you know it's it's not quite good for this person or or the environment or you know the finances is, is it a suitable use of finances is is the juice worth the squeeze type of thing um but that's 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 football and these multi-million pound well almost billion pound uh empires so you know it, it there are going to be huge costs which are hard to justify at times and i think this this tour of tour of australia probably is i mean the play i think they're playing crystal palace twice in australia which uh, or no it's aston villa twice which is bizarre really but yeah it's not the first strange decision ever made by man united so it's uh, and it won't be the last friendly weird friendly we've ever seen either our resident expert on terms of bizarre decisions that Manchester United have made is Joel Tudor. Um, but let's look at some of the positives of this as well, because um, in, a, in a sense, it gives them the opportunity to not only create a commercial presence in a new territory, if I can say that sounding very business-speak-like, but it also gives them an opportunity um, to scout local talent uh, and also for the, the, the leagues that they go to and the, the players in those leagues um, to put themselves in the window, but also to sort of give themselves a a benchmark for where they are in terms of uh, their actual quality. Yeah, I mean, the last time all the clubs did a, it seems like a long time ago that these pre-season friendlies happened after COVID. The last one was obviously in 2019. And after that, it's been pretty much nothing, hasn't it? So, yeah, of course, it's important for the brand, the commercial aspects, blah, 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 blah. But actually, I have two, I have a few friends who live in Australia and they're from Manchester and they wish that United would just come over and do a game because it's like the only games they can, they can ever watch live. Um, so I guess for that aspect is a good is a good uh, a good part of the whole tour. But yeah, yeah, we, we played Crystal Palace twice in two different in two different cities which is quite a strange one I've never seen that happen before with the same side um, but yeah I guess it it's important as well just for the fans in the other side of the country because it's like on the other side of the world sorry because it's just the only opportunity that they may ever get to be able to watch their team um, in their country so yeah I do think it's good I think the furthest I've ever travelled for a, a, a friendly was well it's not even United because obviously they're always on the other side of the world for it but it was uh, England against I think Jamaica in 2006 at Old Trafford just prior to the World Cup. It was when uh, Crouchy pulled out his robot again. Um, <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, this guy's like, he's like my Romario in those days. I was thinking, this guy the best, this guy the best striker in the world at the moment because he was on fire then. Um, so yeah, I, was, I remember watching him just banging in the Stratford and then thinking, God, this guy's my hero. <laughs> <laughs> I was only like 10 at the time uh, Ma- Ma- Marley's in charge of all our social media here do you think if uh, Joel was to do it you could tweet out um, a video of uh, of Joel doing the robot I've, oh I've, had, I've already got one he doesn't know it yet but uh, yeah when, when Joel's had a few drinks you can't stop him getting the robot out Jesus. pull out the rope <laughs> Yeah, so that that game is taking place in July. United heading over there, and actually, you know, as as Joel remind reminds us, there we have had sort of two years where none of this has happened. But we only have to go back. Was it four seasons ago when uh, United Man United and Man City uh, met in China? Uh, as it turned out, that game was actually rained off, 
and and the rained off more rain than we'd ever seen in Manchester uh, meant that that game uh, didn't happen. But this this thing has slowly been moving towards, and we've also seen lots of um, one-time trophies and cups have been put around, which is good because it means uh, clubs like Spurs can actually win something as well. What was it? What was it? The trophy that they was it the Audi Cup? The Audi Cup. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's become just a meme now, hasn't it? Because Harry, K- that's the only trophy that Harry Kane has literally held in his fifteen-year career, which he's he's desperate, isn't he, to to remove that Audi Cup from his <laughs> from his trophy cabinet? I mean, I, I would imagine as well that you know, given the talent that he's got, he had quite a big trophy cabinet made, and that's just sat in there looking ever so lonely. Um, hopefully uh, things will change for him in the next uh, couple of seasons but that's just the way football is Uh, let's take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk balls or rather a specific brand new one Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky Lucky? In line at the deli I guess Aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily. I was going to say the part three. The third part. That's where I should have gone. The third chapter uh, of uh, today's Football Social Daily. I'm Ant McGinley and uh, joining me, Joel Tudor, Marley Anderson. And we're talking balls because there is a brand new ball for the World Cup. And it's claimed that it's faster in flight than any ball before uh, I, there's some nice graphics coming out about the the different balls they've had for world cups uh, going back to france 98 i saw one this morning and it does evoke memories of the tournaments and of course we're used to having uh, different balls and different premier league seasons as well um i mean do you notice the difference just from like we're not professional sports people here but we occasionally we have a kick about i mean it, it, uh, we've all had the opportunity somebody turns up and they go oh they've got the new Premier League ball um, do you yourselves notice the difference when you know these things about and in, in terms of the excitement and the technology that's going into it you know we occasionally hear the players complaining about the movement of the ball and what it does um, but is this do you think there is actually an evolution going on here? Or once they switched from like the old heavy leather ones that soaked up the, the water to the kind of composites that we have now, do you think it's very much of a muchness? It's uh, when, Whenever there's a new ball released, it always makes me laugh. <clears throat> the, uh, the copyright on it, you know, the, the, the copy they release with it. And they have to, you know, how do you talk about a ball? Like, you know, how do you make a ball sound exciting? It's like it's the roundest ever, or it's the the fastest in flight ever. Now, I'm sure there is a, a technical way of of measuring it in flight. Like I'm sure they're not lying. However, for me, like 
a ball in travels faster in flight if you kick it faster. Like surely, <laughs> if I kick a ball at sixty mile an hour and you kick a ball at forty mile an hour, my ball travels through the air faster than your ball. Um, but I know it's it's probably like how how it shapes in the air and and what have you. But you know, football fans aren't interested, and you know nobody really cares, do they? They they care about what it looks like. And possibly the price tag, like if you've got kids who are, who are, who are going to say, you know, I want, Dad, I want the new uh, the new Premier League ball, and you look at the price tag and you go, piss off, son, it's 78 quid. <laughs> um, you, you know, that's that's an issue. Um, but, yeah, it's it's one of them, isn't it? Like, oh, it's the roundest ever, and it's like, it, it, the only people it ever affects really is the goalkeepers. And even the goalkeepers can can... You know, stretch the uh, stretch the truth a bit, like oh, the ball wobbled in the air, and it's not. You just didn't get your feet set right, and you you flapped at it, thinking you were going to save it easily. But it's it's all just like a ready-made excuse. But um, as for the the new uh, World Cup one, it, look, it does look looks pretty good, to be fair. Um, but it'll never be the um, the clamour that was uh, was surrounding the 2002 World Cup ball, the Fever Nova, which was the first one, sort of that sort of captured the imagination of, of people and everyone wanted that ball. It was uh, That was the first proper one where I think a ball became a bit of a statement and its own thing in itself type of thing. So it's a long way to go to get that because we get them too often now. First of all, I'd just like to uh, remind Joel that he's not got long to get his nomination in for Marley to be Dad of the Year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you often hear stories as well, I, 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 and I'm pretty sure it was about Cristiano Ronaldo, about when these new balls have come out and been released, that he would actually go down to Nike or Adidas, whoever sort of uh, was the particular sponsor for that tournament, and he would spend a day <laughs> with forty or fifty balls, just kicking them and getting to know them and work out how they move and how they fly. Now, is this pure conjecture and myth building and rumor, or? You know, with what we know of Ronaldo, is is that something that he probably does that every other week? I actually have a bit of insight into this because um, I went to the Adidas HQ in uh, Germany. It's near Nuremberg in Bavaria. And um, my uncle used to work at the Adidas HQ, so he took me around for a little guided tour. And if you both remember the Jabolani back in 2010... Um, where that was just knuckleballing everywhere. He he, he used to work with the de- one of the designers in the team that designed it, and he was saying how they did not intend for it to have that much flight. Like they were they were quite shocked when it came to the World Cup of just how much it was moving. But that's um, to say oh, that, that they awful. test it for years. I mean, years and years after the like the, the designs and the the shape of it. They, they apparently they made it too round, which caused it to be way too wavy and erratic in the air um if you remember Diego Forlan he scored some absolute crackers in that World Cup purely because the ball would just move about 10 times before it would get to the goalkeeper uh but they do test it ridiculous amounts I remember when I was there and the the Bayern Munich youth team turned up to test the new latest balls that were going to be used in the Bundesliga for that season so it's it's not like they just kind of design it and then say okay that's your ball for the for the tournament there's a hell of a lot that goes into it it's ridiculously technical um but the Jabalani for me is one that will always be the most iconic one just because obviously it was the first world cup that was uh, hosted in Africa uh, there was just a nice vibe around it and the colours were great on the ball but also when I bought one myself back in 2010 every single pass would just turn into a knuckleball 
where I, 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 you wouldn't even need to put that much effort onto it and it would literally just fly. It would make your goals look absolutely outstanding, like needless to say. You could just put a little bit of a lift on it and the, the keeper would be dancing like he was getting, uh, like he was Bambi on ice. He was just everywhere. And I, I used to love it, honestly. It's my favourite ball by an absolute mile. Oh, man. Um, That's my least favourite, that. But, really? Yeah, just mainly for the same reason. Um and also because it just reminds me of that World Cup, and I think that was the worst World Cup as well. With it, yeah, the quality of it was poor. Wasn't yeah, it? the games were very, very slow and stale. There weren't many games that were like you know, crazy goal score lines. But to be fair, there, there were some absolute crackers of goals in that. I remember the uh, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst goal. Uh, when Holland, I think, were they playing Portugal? And he literally just hammered it from about 40 yards on the left touchline. <laughs> and it, I swear to God, it was like someone was holding the ball and just floating it over the keeper. It moved that much. But uh, yeah, he didn't, they didn't, the design team did not intend for that to be the case. And after it, they've never used the similar design to that ever again just because of how much the goalkeepers complained about the flight of it so it was that's like been tucked into the archives now just on display they won't ever touch it again just because it was so controversial is there anything you'd you'd like to see them introduce to football designs like for example just thinking about it there that the the south africa world cup was also famous for the vuvuzelas oh, and i think they maybe missed a trick in, in maybe making the ball sound like a vuvuzela while it was in flight <laughs> I mean, do you really need any more Vuvuzela sounds when you have the whole stadium completely going at it for like 90 minutes straight? I mean, I think the players would just be the most irritated out of anyone in the stadium. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, what, what, what more can you do with a ball, to be honest, apart from maybe put like a chip in it to monitor, I don't know, if your players are actually kicking the ball hard enough or working hard enough. I don't really know which, what more you can do with it, but... There is some crazy technology that goes into these balls, even though they are just a ball on face value. I mean, you know, when uh, was it the Tango balls that they used to use prior to 2002? Was that the name of them? Where they had all of the panels, the stitched panels. Yeah, was it like a triangular design? Yeah, and then the, that, then, then the 2006 World Cup, that was the first time they used a bonded ball where they used no stitching whatsoever. And it kind of just changed the game for everything in terms of like they didn't soak up any water at all uh they didn't absolutely make a scar on your face if they slapped you in the face <laughs> with all the stitching i think you both know about that one i've had too many stingers with those stitched ones um so at least the bondy ones are nice. nothing quite like a fully pumped up mitre delta hitting you on the back of the oh legs my god i think i still have mitre like etched onto the back of me with how many times it used to just absolutely rip into your skin um, but these newer ones, yeah, I think they're a bit more easier to play with. But my God, those old stitched ones, even when you look at the ones that they used to use, like in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, you know, the brown ones, where they were literally just a massive pouch of leather with the hugest stitched in it, like it was a stitching a head together. I mean, how the hell did they play with that? Bandits in it. As soon as he got wet as well, I think they'd weigh about five kilos. So you'd, be, uh, you'd have to have neck muscles like the size of your calf muscles to uh, to to knock them in crossing crossing in the header. You've got a risk of broken neck if you catch it wrong. You'd be backing away, wouldn't you, if a cross came? I got to give a shout out to my favourite ball, and actually this is one that wasn't used in a World Cup or indeed any tournament, but became very famous uh, thanks to a certain Mister Eric Cantona in an advert for Nike, the Cage advert. I don't know if you remember oh, that. Yeah. You've come the across it on one. YouTube. The chrome ball, yeah. yeah. Was that the one with the scorpion on it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
It is God, the scorpion bull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm, I picked mine up for a tenner. I've just had a look now because I had a bit of nostalgia. I thought, oh, <laughs> I'll see if I can get one. Found one on eBay for £4,999 <laughs> in perfect condition. <laughs> Yeah, all of the, you know all of these old balls uh, even the Jabalani ones the original ones because they're so hard sought after I think they were selling for like 600 pounds each wow well there you Just go there's there's, there's the lesson we've had this morning don't invest in bitcoin invest in invest world in cup balls. footballs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well we shall put all talk of balls and indeed all talk of the podcast aside for now and uh, we will return tomorrow. just leaves me to say thank you very much to Joel Tudor. Thank you, guys. I hope you all enjoyed our discussion of balls in this beautiful <laughs> <laughs> morning. <laughs> and the much more mature, and I'm sure he won't say anything at all about it, Marley Anderson. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm off to Google uh, how to get one of those scorpion balls? I'll bring one into the office next week and uh, whack it out. We'll the, whack it out at the Christmas party <laughs> or something. Snack it around the dance floor. I'll be uh, I'll be decent. But yeah, let's. Uh, well, can can anyone tell that we haven't got much to talk about in the international break? Because I think we've hit it pretty well. Um, it's like getting blood from a stone. <laughs> more importantly, more importantly, can anyone tell uh, which ease that Marley just talked about picking up a five thousand pound ball and just bringing it for a kickabout? Obviously, he's been paid far too much. <laughs> yeah, Jim will testify to that one, yeah, but he's wrong. <laughs> That's it for now. Uh, please remember to come back tomorrow for another episode, and if you give us a follow, uh, that will automatically pop up. And do remember to leave us a review as well. Thanks very much. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.